ask her what she would do if she had piped water. Not make so many trips up and down the hill, she says, and we would be healthier. But she would still make her dung pies. Welcome back to the Nature Stories podcast. I'm Samantha Brown. This week, producer Dick Miller takes us to Ethiopia, where three quarters of the population doesn't have access to clean drinking water. Atlantic Public Media curates this podcast in collaboration with the Nature Conservancy and the Public Radio Exchange. Each week, we bring you pieces about the intersection of people and place. Up now, The Well, produced by Dick Miller with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. For water? Bishan. What is the word for water? Bishan. Bishan. Like the girl said. That is the word in Oromiya. The language of the people here. In Amharic, my language, the word is waha. There's a village just north of Addis Ababa. Addis Ababa means over the hills, across the plain. Turn left down a road that will shorten your spine and maybe your life. Eight kilometers worth. The plains changing into rolling hills, turning steeper with deep valleys. There's the odd old tree, but mostly groves of eucalyptus imported from Australia. The grasses on the hillside are short and tough and not a fence in sight. The village is called Robgebya. It means Wednesday market. Custom says we should visit the village leader, and we will, but not yet. This is the dry season in this part of Ethiopia, a nine-month season. The fields are brown, the plowed earth a deeper brown, dust, waiting for the wind. We walk down the slope, Amel, my translator, a couple of guys from an NGO, and me. And we see two bright yellow jerry cans, 20-liter plastic containers. And we see a man with a donkey. My name is Salomon. I come from a family of seven. Salomon. A young man, perhaps 20, wrapped in a bright orange bath towel. It has become his cloak to protect against the morning chill. There sure are no bathtubs or showers near here. I used to bring my donkey and jerrycans to a spring on the other side of town, which was closer to my home. But it dried up a month ago. Now I come here two to four times a day and fill up four jerry cans and take them home. It is more than half a kilometer each trip. How heavy is this? Lengalalat? I'm a sliter. That's very heavy. 
Suleiman tosses them into the wooden saddle strapped to his donkey, and he'll be back. It is still early. Kanjala. She's 12, tiny, a small jerry can strapped to her back. She's walked a half hour to get here. She says that her mother cooks with the water from there. She's going to make a lot of special um, local beer that we brew during the holidays. Um, she's going to make food with it. They're going to drink from it. She says she makes about three, um, three or four trips per day. Down, then back up the steep hills. Five liters collected, five kilos to carry. The well is not much of a well, it's more of a puddle, a natural spring in the hillside, water flowing out. The villagers dug out a catch basin a couple of meters long, and the water collects in there. But at this time of year, it's only a trickle. The puddle just centimeters deep. A meter or two beyond, another puddle. A little longer, a little wider. This is for the animals. One puddle for the people, one for the cattle. Mozisa, the water merchant. When I have a full load, I take them into town and sell the water. I used to sell a full jerrycans for Wamber, but uh, it's so dry now. There is not much water, and uh, my donkeys are starving. Some have died. I have raised the price to Wamber 50. One burr 50 is around 15 cents, 15 cents for 20 liters. Mozisa is the waterman for people with no donkeys, for people who can't walk the kilometers to the well. I have a family of nine, seven children. My wife and children come back to the wall at five in the evening if I have sold all the water, and they get enough for us for the night and for tomorrow. This is actually a profitable business. I used to live in a mud hut, but now I have a corrugated steel roof. The water merchant walks back up the hill with his donkeys and water, back to Rogebya. We follow two other young girls, jerry cans strapped to their backs as they walk up the hill towards that wretched road that leads to the village. My, I don't know, my bag doesn't even, isn't half or even quarters heavy as, this, as the jerry cans these girls were filling, but I'm already having a hard time climbing back up to where we started from. I can't imagine what kind of trips these girls must make more than, a, I mean, more than once a day. Oh, you're securing their lids again.
it's a very simple town and you know there's not much in it. Mostly they just mud huts them. Very old and you know wooden shutters for the windows. There are donkeys everywhere. That's the local flour mill, so that's that's where people get their grains. So um, they all have to go to that spring that that we were just at. Okay, so we're we're just gonna say hi to the dis the head of the district. So this is the, this is the local uh, bar, which is also owned by the head of the district, and his house is through that back door over there. On the wall behind the bar, a few bottles of liquor, some bottles of Coke and Fanta. No bottles of water that I can see. So he's not in. We passed our greetings and we can go now. Duty done, we drive back to the well. Mender tenyochu wede gudgwada emimetut ohan megdat inji lemawrat gizi lemasalef aydellem. Hizanat kul masawndoch ndiu marogitoch kawul medme kilil ezi saymetu ayulu bishan waha people meet at the well not to discuss just to fetch water grown men old women and young boys like addison it's laundry day Adesu has spread a plastic sheet on the ground, pours on a little water, adds a little soap, and he worries the dirt out of his mother's dress. Adisu, a small handsome boy. He goes to school, he comes home, he fetches water, then he plows the field. His home, a mud hut up in the hill. He shares it with his brothers and sisters. Three girls and the five boys. Mother and father and his grandmother. Her name is Ngatu. She's got this old um, rickety, it's practically broken, this clay pot. She's going to carry it on her back. She's going to use that to collect water. Um, Ngatu takes the old the clay pot off her back and puts it down beside the spring as Adisu and a neighbor girl get into an argument. So they're arguing about, you know, who should fill and who shouldn't. An argument as old and dry as the hills. <laughs> who gets to take water first? The cattle or the people? Who is more important? Bishan. The argument ends. Ungatu fills her clay pot straps it to her back and strides up the hill to the mud hut she shares with Adisu and the others. Adisu's cousin, Mabrat, follows her, lugging a 20-liter jerry can. At the top of the hill, two buildings. 
This is Adisu's home. Mud walls, a corrugated steel roof, two rooms, one with a sleeping platform. This is the store also. Storeroom? Yes. Storeroom and the bedrooms. The other with a low mud bench with goatskins to sit on. Another building. It's the cooking hut and stable for the goats. It has mud walls, and the logs used for the thatched roof are sticking out. Oh, ah. yeah, I'm taller than I thought. Mabrat pours water from her jerry can and washes the dishes. So she bought four jerry cans since morning, and she just used one whole jerry can for washing dishes. Outside, the 80-year-old grandmother, Ngatu, is hard at work. I'm almost closer to 100 years. A <laughs> hundred? Yeah. Ngatu uses the water from her clay pot to mix with fresh manure and straw. She rolls it into balls, flattens them into dung pies, and leaves them in the sun to bake. Then she stacks them neatly into dung pie pyramids, fuel for cooking. The trees have been cut down. When she runs out of water, Ngatu will walk back down the hill, fill her clay pot, and walk back up. Can I ask her what she would do if she had piped water? Not make so many trips up and down the hill, she says, and we would be healthier, but she would still make her dung pies. The government has promised pipe water for the people of Rodgebya. Work began, but then it stopped, and no one knows when it will begin again. The sun rises higher in the sky, the cattle and goats move into the valley to munch on the short, tough grasses and to have a drink. A slate-gray cow, her ribs standing out far enough to throw shadow lines down her sides, walks into the pool of water at the spring, the pool, a puddle where Marbrat and Adesu and the others get their drinking water. The animals don't know the rules. They drink here and urinate and defecate. Every morning I wake up at 6 and wash my face. I use the water I collect the day before. And then I take the cattle out to the field. Birhanu gets his drinking water from here too. Does he ever get sick? I was sick for two months. I had headaches and stomach aches. It's the water. I went to the health clinic, they gave me some pills and I got better, but now the headaches have returned. I can't work as much as I did before. I have heard this from Salaman, I have heard it from Kanjala, and I hear it again from Birhanu. I live alone with my mother. She's around 60, she helps me, but she's not very active anymore. 
You know, she's sick, vomiting, and headaches. She goes to the clinic, but she probably won't live very long. This can be easily uh, spoiled by the dogs and the cattle and the horses. The, dogs. the bacteria count in the water is high. Desaling from the NGO has done tests on it. I've been doing also the hill survey during the last five months, and nobody's healthy at all generally. They get sick every two weeks. When you, we have been visiting them every two weeks, and we found diarrhea, vomit, cough, skirash. At least one, two family members from each household. It's very, I have no words to express, I mean, it's very dangerous. It's Ah, lemut. Oh, um, they have. I th- what do you call them? Um, leeches in the water, and when they drink it, it gets stuck right in. It gets lodged in their throat and starts sucking um, all the blood from here. So they have that as well. The price of water, vomiting, and diarrhea, leeches, heavy lifting, and long walks. Adisu and his grandmother, Salaman, Berhanu. Kanjala, and the other people of Rogebya. They may see pipe water one day, but finding a good supply of water deep in the ground and then laying the pipes, well, it's beyond their means, and it seems beyond the government's attention. But this is a holiday, a feast day, and Kalkidan's family needs her to make many trips to the muddy puddle today. I'm Kalkidan Gulema. I have to come to the well six times every day. Today is a holiday, so I don't have to go to school. But a lot of people are coming to my home for a feast. So we need more water. I come to this field for drinking water. There is another one by tree. But I think they use chemicals on the tree. So we only use water from that one for washing. I had diarrhea once from the water. My family has been sick a lot. But they are used to it now. They are used to it. There is a village outside Addis where the water is bad and the people accept it. They're used to it. It's not right, the people say, but that is the way it is. Bishan, Uha. Dick Miller with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation produced that piece. If you'd like to hear more pieces like it, stop by the Public Radio Exchange at prx.org.
The Nature Conservancy provides support for this podcast online at nature.org stories, committed to protecting nature and preserving life. If you have thoughts or feedback, please write to us at podcast at tnc.org. I'm Samantha Brown with Atlantic Public Media in Woods Hole, Massachusetts. Join us next week for a brand new Nature Stories podcast. Thank you.